0: At the beginning of the book of Daniel, Daniel, um, we, uh, Larry and Farrell were the only ones here last week, and so we talked about this, and just, I kind of started with the question, what do you know about Daniel? And uh, we all know a couple of things. Uh, you probably know about Daniel being in the lion's den uh, you probably know that he had three friends, and they, they didn't bow down to the image, so they got thrown into the fiery furnace. You probably know that story. You may even know uh, what we're going to talk about tonight in, in chapter 1, where they, they don't eat the king's food. Um, and, and you might be familiar with some of those stories, especially those Sunday school type of stories that, that we've heard of virtually all of our lives. If you grew up in church all your life, you've heard these stories. What you may not realize about Daniel is how it plays into the scope of Scripture. If you take a step back and you look at all of Scripture, and you look from Genesis to Revelation, you see that there is this story that runs through the entirety of Scripture. Uh, God blesses his people, but his people mess up. Sometimes they royally mess up sometimes uh, it may not necessarily be their fault but sometimes god allows them to go through a period where they are exiled uh, uh, from the goodness from the blessings um, that he has for them Uh, i think of the israelites being enslaved in egypt there's no specific sin that makes the israelites enslaved there's nothing that that forces them in, into exile, they just kind of are there. And for whatever reason, uh, there they are. And, you know, nobody's to blame. It's not like God's punishing them for anything in particular. He's just got them there because the sin of the Amorites hasn't fully reached its time. Uh, in fact, he tells, he, he tells Abraham that, that the sins of these people, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Jebusites, the Termites, all the other ites, um, their sins had not reached their fullness yet. And so he kind of has to bide his time. So what does he do? He puts his people in Egypt uh, at first because there's a famine and Egypt has plenty of grain because he's got his guy Joseph down there administering the grain with the gifts that he's given him. And so now there's a way not only to preserve uh, Joseph's family through this time of famine, but to preserve God's people, the children of Abraham. And they flourish in Egypt, but pretty soon there's a Pharaoh that doesn't know Joseph and they're in exile. Sometimes, though, the exile is, um, let's just say, it's, it's earned. It's well-deserved. That's what we find when we approach the book of Daniel. The year of 605 B.C. Nebuchadnezzar has ransacked uh, Jerusalem, but not completely destroyed it. He's basically taken a lot of the valuables. In fact, chapter 1, verse 1 tells us that it's the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, and he besieges Jerusalem, and God gives Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his land. And what we talked about last week was the fact that this was all part of God's plan. Sometimes we are in a period of exile, whether it's our own fault, whether it's something that someone else did to us. Sometimes we're in a period of exile, and it's because that's God's will. We're not in exile because God messed up. Something didn't work right. We're not in exile because we messed up his grand plan. We're not in exile because he forgot about us. Oh, That was, I knew I, knew I, I meant to do that and I just never got around to it. That, that's not God. If something is happening to us, if we find ourselves in a period of exile, whether it's for our sins or whether it's just a, a result of someone else's sin against us, when we find ourselves in those times of exile, in either case, it's God's will that we're there. Sometimes I feel like we're in a period of exile. I feel like right now we are living in a period of exile. And it's not exile, um, it's not like we've been all taken to a foreign land. We're, they're not going to round us up and, and take us to some other country where we're going to have to serve as slaves or, or do menial tasks or whatever for somebody. That, that's not what I mean. What I mean is that I feel like we are in a form of spiritual exile and probably judgment of God because of the wickedness that we've allowed to perpetrate. I mean, y'all, we've got a nominee to the Supreme Court that can't even define what a woman is. That's not good. That's not good any way you look at it. We are at a period in our history where we are in an exile. And part of it's our fault. Oh, we'll just give a little here. We'll give a little there. Well, you know, Romans 13, so you just got to do whatever the government says, no matter how morally or or ethically uh, terrible it might be. No matter how much it might defy the Word of God, we we just got to do what they say. Romans 13. We live in a time where we have allowed... You can't just blame this on a Madame O'Hare saying you can't pray in public schools. We're at a time where we silence ourselves because we're afraid that somebody's going to kick us off of a social media platform or they're going to talk bad about us. Oh, you don't want to ruin your Christian witness. A Christian witness is ruined because we don't do what's right. And that's not to even mention the other stuff the stuff we do when nobody's looking, stuff that we'd rather not anybody else know about. I think we're going into a time of exile, y'all. And what I find in the book of Daniel is the fact that not only is it God's will for us to be in exile, he is with us even in the exile. Now, his hand might be a little more firm. His voice might be a little more stern, but he's still present with us. They take these guys Uh, uh, take the king back to the land of Shinar, hearkening back to the days of the Tower of Babel. And he takes the vessels that that he took from the temple in Jerusalem. He takes them and puts them in the temple for his God. And then he tells the chief eunuch, I want you to find the best and the brightest. Give me all those young, handsome, sophisticated Smart young guys, and we're going to train them up to be future leaders of Babylon. I mean, these are the guys, these are the politician type of boys. These are the ones that you groom to be in high positions. Because I certainly don't want my enemy, I don't want them being my enemy, leading a revolt against me. But even still, I want the best and the brightest working for me. So that's what he does. He gives them. Uh, uh, he gives them a curriculum. We're going to indoctrinate you in the ways of Babylon. We're going to teach you the way we do math, the way we do literature, the way we do art. We're going to teach you all the basics of, of high Babylonian society, of all the best learning that we can muster. And yeah, you're going to learn how to worship our gods. You're going to learn how to do the magic that the magicians do. You're going to learn all of these kinds of things. And I even, I'm even going to feed you. I'm going to feed you good too. The king has the best food available. And he he says, these boys are going to share from my table. They're going to get the same food that I get. Pretty sweet deal. But then we come to verse 8. Oh, they even changed their names too. But then we come to verse 8. But Daniel resolved. There's a difference between decided and resolved. It could have said Daniel decided. It could have said Daniel made up his mind. It could have said that Daniel weighed the options and eventually chose, but it doesn't. It says Daniel resolved. I I looked up that word. It has a, a range of meanings, but the specific meaning that applies here is one of taking to heart, paying very close attention to a matter. It doesn't just say that he chose not to defile himself. It says he intentionally made it a point that under no circumstances would he defile himself. So he walked right into the king, threw the food in the king's face and said, I'm not eating that trash, right? No, no. You see, Daniel was already wise. (laughs) He knew how to handle it. So what did he do? He goes to the chief of the eunuchs. He goes to the guy who is in charge, the guy that was tasked with picking out these boys and bringing them to Babylon and giving them all the food and giving them all the education. He went to the school superintendent. And he asked him, He asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. Now, that's kind of strange language. He just decided, like with no uncertain terms, that he's not going to defile himself. Now he's begging for permission not to defile himself. That's not exactly what the the text means. You see, the form of the verb used uh, for defile here tells me that it's intentional, Causing an action to happen upon yourself, uh, it, it, it would be like saying, um, "I flew the plane myself." It's one thing to say that I flew in a plane, right? I'm not really active, but but I flew the plane myself. I got in in the cockpit and I drove the plane. Like I had I had my hands on the controls. I was the one watching all the gauges. You guys, I promise you, you do not want to be on that flight. That would be a disaster. Cause that's a, that's a very different thing from me just getting on the plane and somebody else is doing all the work, right? Here we have him. He basically comes to the chief of the eunuchs and says, what am I? How can we do this so that I do not defile myself? He's saying, look, I, I, you know, we could find a solution to this, but I'm not going, I'm not going to eat this food because it is against God's law. Of those, um, I forget what it was, there's 613 laws in Torah. It's like a fifth of them, I think. It's like a over, I know it's at least over 70. I want to say it's a little over 100 of the laws are dietary in nature. Don't eat this. Do eat that. You can eat this, but this you cannot eat. If it's certain things or certain days, you can't eat certain foods that you could eat otherwise. You know, when it comes to uh, certain holy days, you couldn't have yeast. Uh, I mean, it, the, the dietary laws were extensive. Even today, even today, you can go to the grocery store and you'll see um, the Hebrew letter koth on some items to designate that they're kosher. Like they can be eaten by Jews because of the dietary restrictions that, that God set for the Jewish people. And he comes to the chief of the eunuchs and says, look, I, I don't we got to figure something out here because I can't eat all this. I can't. For him, it's not a matter of, I don't like that, that's yucky. For him, it's not a matter of, what in what kind of animal is that? I'm not eating that. It was, I'm not going to break God's law. Boy, if only there were more people like that before the exile. Like more people that would refuse to bow down to false gods more people that would ensure that the poor are not being oppressed, more people that would serve God faithfully instead of only seeking after what they wanted because it was beneficial to them. It, 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 maybe, maybe there wouldn't have been an exile if people just been faithful like that. But here they are anyway. It says that God gave Daniel favor and compassion. The two words are grace and, and compassion is, uh, that's the word for a mother taking care of their baby. In fact, the, the, another form of this word is the actual word for a mother's womb. He's got grace. He's got favor. He's got compassion from the chief eunuch. But the chief eunuch's like, no, this is going to be my head. If anything happens here, I can't help you. So then he goes back down and he talks to the steward. He tried talking to the big boss. Now he comes to the steward and he says, you know, I understand the position. I, I know it's tough. Try us for 10 days. Three years, over a thousand days we're gonna be in this program. Give me 10, just, just 10, and look at me. And, and my friend's here too. We'll get more data. They won't eat, I won't won't eat, we'll just eat vegetables and drink water and judge us after 10 days. And whatever you see fit to do, you do. Steward says, all right, well, this better work, right? Because whose head is it now? It's his head if something goes wrong. But 10 days, I mean, surely in 10 days, that's not gonna make a difference. In 10 days, well, at least if something goes wrong, they can reverse course, right? You know, it won't be too bad. So they do it, 10 days, 15. At the end of 10 days, it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. That is probably the only time in history that somebody got fatter eating vegetables. Their skin is glowing. Their hair is just shiny, radiant. You'd You'd have thought they had been away at a beauty spa. They were stronger too. It was all fried vegetables. That's what they did. Fried pickles, fried, you know. Yeah. That's what they did. They look better. So he said, All right. I think I think we're hey, ten days, it's already made this much improvement. He cut out everything but the vegetables and water and God bless them. As for these four youths, verse 17 goes on. God gave them learning and skill and all literature and wisdom. Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. At the end of the time, when the king commanded that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. You know what I think happened? I think they are so far above their peers, the chief is like, I'm gonna bring you in myself. I, I, wanna, I wanna be present when the king talks to you guys. Because this is going to look really good on me. So he brings them in. It says, and in every manner. Oh, oh uh, verse 19. And the king spoke with them. And among all of them, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Remember when I said that, uh, that like in verse 7, they gave them all Babylonian names. Like they renamed them. Like completely took away, tried to take away every bit of their Hebrew identity. And yet here they are called by their Hebrew names. Now, the richest kingdom in the world has given these guys the freshest vegetables and all kinds of learning that they wouldn't have gotten otherwise. And they're still just as faithful to God in spite of all of the temptation to give a little. What's it gonna hurt? Eh, Give a little here, a little there. You don't think they they didn't have that temptation? I mean, they were they were in Babylon University. They were surrounded by the frat parties, and yet they're yet they're willing to say, "No, I'm not going to eat that really good smoked barbecue butt that's <laughs> sitting there that you've been cooking for 18 hours, and I've been smelling." Like- you see what I'm saying? Like, like all of the temptation that's surrounding them, all of the delicacies of the world, and, and they're willing to stand faithfully to God and do things his way. Verse 20, and in every manner of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them to be 10 times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in all his kingdom. There, there's, there's smart folks. And then there's these four. There's wisdom all around you. You know Nebuchadnezzar has the best and the brightest working for him. And now these guys, these four teenagers, maybe young adults by this point, are all way better than anyone else Nebuchadnezzar's got around them. I can't promise you that being faithful to God will make you stand before the king with such great approval. I can't promise you that. I can't promise you that you'll be better looking and wiser than all of your contemporaries. I can't promise you that, but I can promise you God will bless you if you're faithful to him. I can promise you that. may not be earthly blessings, but God has the right to determine which blessings he gives. And as for Daniel, well, let's just say he was there for a little while. In fact, he was there until the First year of King Cyrus. I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to remember what year Cyrus took over. Yes. I, I want to say, I want to say we're talking into the like five sixties. No 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 no. It would have been much later than that. It would have been much later than that. It would have been more around closer to 515, 500, somewhere in there. Cyrus the Great, yes. 5.59 to 5.30. 5.59 to 5.30. Okay, so 5.59. Okay, so I was right the first time. 6.05. National Geographic says 5.9. Yeah, yeah. So you're talking 50 or 60 years that he's serving the king? Man, he's an old guy when he gets thrown in line and said, we picture a teenager going in, but he's old by that point. Think about that. Think about how much how how hard it is to get up in the morning when you're all stiff and achy. <laughs> so, I'm starting to get that way, and and I'm not even forty. So I can't imagine eighty years old. It turns out, when you give something, give God something to work with, He does pretty good work with it. If if we will be faithful, no matter what the exile is, whether it's we messed up and we deserve punishment or someone else messed up, and now it's affecting me, whatever the case may be. When we find ourselves in exile, we're right where God wants us to be. And if we'll be faithful in that place, God will do exactly what he wants to do with us. And if we're not faithful, well then God will still do exactly what he wants to do with us. It'll just be a lot harder on us. Just ask Pharaoh or Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar will give you that testimony in a couple chapters. What are you resolved to do? Are you Are you just going to give in? Father, I pray that we not give in. I pray that we stand firm. Not in the stubborn, I want to do it the way I want to do it kind of way, but in the, this is God's way. And if it's good enough for you, God, it's good enough for us. Father, help us, especially when we feel like we're exiled. Help us realize that it's through the exile that you shape us, that you take the sins and cleanse them from us, it's through the exile that you make us a righteous remnant that is restored into your blessing. Christ paid the price on the cross, but God, sometimes we need some extra scrubbing before we're white as snow. Christ bore your wrath, but doesn't mean we don't bear the consequences of our sins. So Father, I pray in the midst of the exile that we'll be faithful to you, that we will resolve to serve you, to honor you, to put no other gods before you. Thank you for the testimony of Daniel and Hananiah and Azariah and Mishael. They've got a lot to say to us in the coming chapters. Give us ears to hear, a heart to understand, and the strength to apply it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.